Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. So we were looking at our list of topics and uh, one of them uh, that that we're going to do because I'm feeling spicy is what is a Druid? Define Druidry to you. Um, So I'm going to let you start with with the Let's get a grounding. So so you're going to let me start with the vanilla piece, and then you're going to spice it up, right? Sure. All right. So, druidry, to me, is really all about connection and uh, relationship. I've said that before on this, that when I think about how I would define druidry, I don't tend to define it as, you know nature-based or Celtic or anything like that, I tend to define it by relationships that exist within the cosmos that we are part of and that we have agency with. And it is the maintenance of those relationships that's really important to me there. Um, Obviously, the word druidry is a, a fairly culturally specific phrase. It is definitely Celtic and but we, within ADF, use it to cover a wide variety of priestly options within the Indo-European world. We've taken this one culturally specific term and developed it into a wider term. And for the most part, that doesn't bother me too much. It, it makes some sense. Uh, there isn't a sing- we, could tr- we could try digging up a proto-Indo-European word, but I mean, the closest that we're going to come to is probably a way of the wise or something like that, which is what most of these derive from. Um, or even tree wisdom, you know, but it, it all flows back to that druidry thing. And the work that we do does sometimes get annoying because we are stuck with a Celtic word for a variety of practices. But for a lot of people, it seems to also fit very well. So, so I love the practices we have. I love the relationship building. I love this seeking out nature. I love the concept of priestly duties. I hate the word druid. Hate it. Um, when I'm at a like pan pagan event where I can't just cop out and say I'm pagan 
great because everybody there is pagan and they, want, they wanted to know a little bit more specific than that. So I say I'm an ADF druid. I don't just say I'm a druid. I say I'm an ADF druid. And, you know, people who are kind of familiar with that recognize that it might be different than an Obad druid or different than an RDNA druid. Um, most people don't. Um, but what they do know, or think they know when they hear Druid, is that, oh, you must know a lot about Celtic stuff. I'm like, no, nope. I know a lot about Greek stuff. <laughs> yep. And so I feel like ADF has, has shot itself in the foot because we want to be open to these Indo-European cultures and we want to be inclusive of all these different mythologies that kind of match this comparative religion thing. And then we've gone and we've said, we're all going to be druids, which means that if you're not Celtic and you're trying to explain to somebody what you do, they're like, you have no idea what you're talking about because you're talking about Zeus and calling yourself a druid. Like what is wrong with you? You have no knowledge of anything. Um, so it, makes me crazy. So, here, here's a funny thing <laughs> that I experience that is extremely similar in that vein, but because of your experience, you're, you're not likely to to have kind of the same... You're not likely to have the same experience that I do, but it's remarkably similar in that I get a lot of, well... How could you be druid if you don't speak Irish? <laughs> and I, of course, am more of that continental Celt. I, I have all of my work is Gaulish. Uh, when it comes to the Celtic stuff, I I can barely pronounce Irish god names some days. I've gotten better at that. Um, and at least I don't call the toy the tame. But the the, I, I run into a lot of pushback on that um, from perfectly well-meaning people who look at the work that I do and say, well, that's not Druid work because it's not Irish. And in, in a way that is likely different than your experience in this particular case, they're usually willing to give ground when I say, well, I honor continental deities, um, and, it, and it's not quite as big of a deal there <laughs> as, well, I just don't honor Celtic deities at all, um, but the, um, I, I do get some of that experience as well, and some of it comes from kind of a, an Irish nationalist perspective, which mm -hmm. is fascinating to me, um, but a lot of it just comes from, you know, Celtic means Irish, and there's nothing else in the world um, that is Celtic, even though, obviously, Celtic covers most of Europe at one point or another, all the way down to Asia Minor. So, um, yeah, I get that too a little bit. I just, it's because, like, it's bad from the I am a member of a druidry organization and feeling like I don't quite belong to that organization. Um, it's bad from a 
trying to explain to others what I do perspective. It's also bad from like an outreach. We want to welcome other people into our religion because if you're handing out flyers at a pagan pride day for this druid group, like you're not going to get anybody who's not Celtic. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even stop at a booth that had emphasis on druidry. Yep. Like it, it there, I have no interest in that. Um, so it, like it, it's bad on all fronts, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we have to go very out of our way to explain what we're doing, and I don't think that we're very effective at it in a lot of cases. Correct. Um, yeah, and I think part of that is because of the way that we are set up. The reason that we are Indo-European broadly probably has most to do with the fact that we can't fill in all the Celtic holes. And so we need comparative mythology to do that. And I think, this is going back well before my time at ADF, but I think that that was a primary driver of the expansion into Indo-European as our broader church focus um, over the desire to be inclusive. And that is part of why we ended up with the word Druid and an Irish name and an Indo-European focus. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, like I said... I love the work we do. I love our practice. Like, this is clearly where I belong in a religious sense. We should have picked a different name. Yeah. Well, sometimes for an organization as specific about language as we are, uh, it's fascinating to see some of the choices that we have made and stuck with. Uh, Like, for example... You and I are both priests. I am not a priest, and you a priestess. Uh-huh. Um, priest-den. I should start calling priest-den. myself a priest-den. Yeah! <laughs> I like it. Um, gotta find a non-binary word for, for priest. <laughs> rather than defaulting to the masculine. Yeah, but I mean, there's so many other... clerical titles... We could have picked. Part of the problem is they're all clerical and none I of know. Them are exciting. I know. <laughs> I want to be a magus. A magus? I mean, we could do that. <laughs> we could. We could have gone with adept. We could have gone with initiate. We could have gone with all sorts of things for our priestly tracks. That would have been good choices. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's a lot of strange sacred cows, for lack of a better phrase, uh, <laughs> with our with our linguistic choices. It's okay, I'm Greek, I'll go steal those. <laughs> yes, well, we're all Indo-Europeans here, we're all gonna go steal the cows. <laughs> fair. <laughs> fair. <laughs> but Mag 
Focused is a good word. What what other words would be good to use? I mean, obviously, if we go to to, to roots, we're, we're looking at roots that come out of uh, wit or, or wisdom uh, as kind of that priestly function across the Indo-European world. Um, or should we just go, you know, generally Indo-European and, you know, you want to be a, a Greek priest? You can be a, a mantis if you're into divination. Um, want to be a Celtic priest? You can be a druid. You know, we could do that. The other thing that we sometimes run into, though, is, and we've, we've got a topic to talk about this, we use druidry as the generic... Uh, religious descriptive. So everyone who joins ADF is a druid. Air quotes around that. But druid is very clearly a class in Celtic society. Mm -hmm. A priestly Mm -hmm. class. Yeah, yeah. And so, is it right to call a congregant um, or even a layperson a druid? Just because you attend druid ceremony, just because you are part of a druid organization or druid grove, does that make you a druid? And that question comes up often. And part of that is just modern neo-pagan shorthand for this is the word I use to describe what I am. And it's way easier to say than Celtic Reconstructionist. (laughs) (laughs) Which is even less descriptive of what we are on both words. Yeah, yeah, way less, way less. So yeah, that, that's that's the other part of this is, is where does that leave someone who doesn't feel that they have the right or the ability to claim the title of druid, especially when they've just joined? Obviously, my opinion is you're a druid. You joined, you're, you're a druid, you're fine. Um, you can use the term. It's all good. You don't even have to pass your DP. You don't have to be a hearth keeper. You're, you're a druid, you're fine. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn our conversation... And let's talk about the defining features of what we do. Okay. We're, we're going to air quote call this druidry for the moment. But what is, quote, druidry? What do we do? What makes it? So are you talking as priests or as ADF members? As ADF members. As the people involved in this religious group that we are part of. Well, we have homework. Would you call that a defining feature, though? Sometimes I would. (laughs) Maybe the best word for us is student. (laughs) But, um, no, I mean, the first thing is is relationship and reciprocity. Yeah, I mean, I would... It's it's relationship with the spirits. It's reciprocity not only with the spirits, but with each other. And and I think those are, are... That's our main... Our primary defining characteristic is is finding ways to build that relationship and reciprocity. So, point one, I think we agree on that one. I'll come back to it. I have an idea for for my next step. Okay. Carry on. What what else makes us a defining a defining cohesive group and practice thing? Yeah. Uh, the the other thing that is probably defining is that we have 
a cohesive and centralized form of worship in the corridor of ritual. Okay. So practice. Our practices look similar and feel similar no matter where you are. If you're doing ADF order, you know what it looks like. I think a defining feature of the reciprocity is offerings. Yeah. Like those offerings can take a whole bunch of different forms, whether they're physical or words or service projects or, or whatever. But I think the, the the giving of offerings is like an identifying feature. So gifts are our love language. Yes. Okay. Broadly speaking. I mean, not if we're talking love languages, because like words are also a love language, but but sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, service is a love language. So, yeah, I mean, it's, is praise a love language? Praise isn't a love language. No. Yeah. Um, okay, so quality time. <laughs> so, so honestly, maybe love. Love is one of those things that I would, I could argue, is yeah, something yeah. that we do. I, I could see that. Um, that's that is what our offerings are. That is what our. Uh, our, our commitment to service is that is what our um, our prayers of praise and things like that it's all love and adoration um, yeah I haven't looked at it that way so that's a yeah that's an interesting new kind of lens to examine things through yeah we'll, we'll come back to that one I'm sure yeah um, but Yeah, making those kinds of offers, making that kind of experience of love and joy and, and all that kind of stuff fits back into it. The other thing that we hope that we are known for is uh, the idea of ritual specialty. If you need someone to do ritual, an ADF Druid is a good place to go. Um, we, we focus a lot on quality of ritual and uh, making something that's accessible to everyone. I think that kind of ties into, I forget, it's like our, our, is it our vision or our value statement or something, but uh, public temple worship. Yeah. Um, this idea that um, in the vast world of pagan religions, one of the things that sets us apart is a commitment to public yeah. Uh, ritual. So I think that would be also a defining feature. Yeah, and I mean, part of that comes back around to that guest host reciprocity sort of experience. We're trying to create something that everyone can attend. We're trying to do public work. We're trying to welcome people in. Um, so that, I think, is also a, a definite defining factor. We should be taking notes or something. We've probably. got a recording of it. We're we fine. do have a recording. <laughs> but, you know, it would help us during the recording process. Whatever. To have something right now. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. The honoring of the Earth Mother. Did I you think. say nature? We could say nature, but I, I think it's the it's the primacy of the Earth Mother in okay. particular, um, and then the encompassment of nature as a result of that. But um, you know, there there is no 
there's no archaeological Earth Mother in the way that we honor the Earth Mother. Right. It's, it's a it's a unique, not really unique, but it's something that we do that I would not necessarily expect to find. I just when you say that, I hear Rob Henderson talking in my ear saying. What about the Mother of Waters, right? Like, what about Anu? Yeah. Um, so this idea that the Earth Mother doesn't have to mean, like, dirt. Right. Um, yeah. I, I just think that's an important clarification. It, it, is. it is. It is certainly an important clarification. Um, and, yes, because as we said in a previous episode as well, or possibly a future episode, I don't know what order these are going to be released in, um, <laughs> But that, that whole concept of Earth as not only that which we are on, but also Earth and sky together. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the whole of the Earth Mother and the whole of the experience of the Earth um, has some some deep value. And I, I also think that it's possibly um, situational. Only because we've had that discussion. You mentioned Rob Henderson. We had that discussion of uh, space druidry and what happens if druids go into space. What, right. what happens to that Earth Mother concept? And I'm fascinated by that. Um, so you know, it could it could be all sorts of different things. Yeah. But I think that that notion that you know there is an Earth that is our mother. There is a spirit of this place that we live. Um, is something that is modern and, and maybe not unique to us, but certainly important to us. So I think maybe another defining feature is that we have a tendency to look at things in threes. Yeah. Like, we have the three kindreds, the three realms, the three fires, the the triplicity of the cosmos in general. Yes, that is a much prettier way of saying that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the tripartite cosmos, perhaps, even. There are lots of different ways to yeah, but it's, it's, get around that. Yeah. Yeah, threes. We like them. It's a good number. Um, we even like threes of threes. We even like threes of threes. Um, threes of threes of threes. Yes. I, I can keep going. I know, okay. we'll I know you could. I know you could. Um, okay, anything else that's like... I mean, that's a, that's a decent summation to start with. I mean, there, there's, there is the comparative mythology. Um, I, I mentioned earlier the, the student aspect, but the, the idea that, yeah, we're, we're doing our best to, to reimagine Okay. What the ancients did. Yeah, I mean, we do we do say that we have a focus on scholarship. Yeah. So like, okay, homework, student. Yeah. I'll allow it's, it. it. It's that it's that reimagination though. It's that idea that um, we're we're learning the most that we can in order to create something, to imagine something that can apply to us as modern humans, and that I think is is key. It's not reconstruction. We're not interested in doing things exactly the way right. that they were done, um, but we're interested in that reimagination. Yeah. And I think that's a, a, a pretty key thing. So you had an idea. So, okay, so I'm going to come back now. We've talked about all the defining features um, that we think there are. 
And now I'm going to say, okay, druid is an awful word for what we do. What would be a better one? And I'm going to answer my own question first because this is what made me go, oh. <laughs> Okay, so we call reciprocity ghosty. We're ghosts. I like it. <laughs> We're ghosts. <laughs> We're guests and hosts. We're and ghosts. ghosts. <laughs> I'm only going to counter that in one way, which is to say, if you think explaining to someone what a druid is is hard, try, try explain. explaining that you're a ghost. <laughs> what kind of pagan are you? I'm a ghost. <laughs> okay. Now that that's out of my system, <laughs> at least a little bit, what would you call us? So, other words that have been floated for what we do include polymath, which is someone who excels in a number of things. But not math. But not math, no. <laughs> okay. Many things. <laughs> not math. But maybe math. But not <laughs> maybe math. math, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, but a polymath is kind of that. It's a gender-neutral term for a Renaissance man, I suppose, is probably the way that I would describe okay, it okay. best. Um, someone who's good at many things, uh, has many different skills, and is kind of a master of the, the important skills in life. Is not a dictionary definition that's me spouting stuff off. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm driving and I can't look it up, but I would <laughs> otherwise. Um, and, and I think that that is a reasonable sort of word for what we do. Yeah, I mean, when I look at um, like currently existing words, I will sometimes describe myself as a devotional polytheist, which is like an existing community. Yeah. Right, but it's not super specific to what we do in our church, if you will, our community. Yeah. See, devotional polytheist for me misses the public piece yeah, in a lot of ways. It does. It's, it, it's especially the way that it is used right now. It, it 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 has a lot of the implication of I'm at my altar doing my work. Yeah. It's me and the gods. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And, and I, I know that that is not entirely accurate. Um, and, and there is certainly no proscription against... Yeah, you know, so I think when I say that, like, I feel like that describes me, huh? that's great. But maybe it doesn't describe our Us, community, our know. church community, whatever. Yeah, and I don't know if there's a... a better way to do that or a modifier you can drop on that um it, it's it is reasonably accurate enough probably to be a good choice um but it it, it doesn't it doesn't do it for me yeah it's also not exciting no it's not it, yeah druid isn't exciting either <laughs> I at least have a, 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 an, an ancient uh, 
not even ancient. I at least have a romantic connection to the past with Druid. I think you also like that it's easily hashtagable. It is easily hashtagable. <laughs> Devotional polytheistics have way too many characters on Twitter. Um, <laughs> what do you call that? Dev Poly? I, I don't know. I don't know what the hashtag would be, but um, yeah, no, it's like I said, it's not wrong. Um, but because it misses that public piece, I've just I've never felt that it applies to me in any way, shape, or form. It, it doesn't it doesn't feel right. Much um, as you know, I, I suspect in a similar way that Druid does not feel right to you. <laughs> that just doesn't feel yeah. right to me. Um, so yeah. I think we would have to come up with like a proper noun that doesn't have a predetermined meaning. You know that like that, that would be a word for us. Yeah. Um I mean Druid at least avoids a lot of appropriative concerns in the fact that there aren't any druids. Um it's a widely used word in the Celtic world and you know the, the Greeks and the Romans and everybody else knew what a druid was <laughs> and could apply that word and could use it in normal conversation. But they weren't druids. There were a couple of Roman druids here and there. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, <laughs> but um, they were recognized as masters of the craft. You know, that's, that's how the Greeks thought of them. They were master magicians. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, Wicca, you know, like, it's this proper noun, yeah. right, that doesn't really have any other, it doesn't pop up in other uh, descriptors of other religions, really, and so it's, like, when someone says they're Wiccan, you know, oh, they have this collection of uh, practices and beliefs that kind of define what they do, and that's how we know that they're wicked, right? Um, and, and the same thing if you branch out to, like, someone who's Baptist. Like, you know there are certain beliefs and traditions that they have that define that small, like, spiritual community. Yeah. So I feel like if we're gonna not be druids anymore, we, we need to come up with a, with a proper noun that is just for ADF druids. Well, in, in many ways, ADF Druids is partly an, an attempt to do that. That's why we use the ADF Druidry hashtag instead of using the Druidry hashtag most of the time. Well, yeah, but as I said at the beginning, like, when I yep. tell someone who I am, like, I'm an ADF Druid, and, I mean, it still runs into the, oh, you're Celtic problem. Yeah. Well, part of the problem with expanding beyond that to a, a new proper noun is it then you'll get a, a what every time <laughs> but that at least avoids the assumption and it avoids the okay you have no idea what you're talking about because you're saying you're greek and a druid yeah like it, it would at least avoid that <laughs> true enough it would so listeners if you were to rename Arnriach Fane a Druid Fellowship, what would it be? I want to know. 
Does that have to start with a D because we already own the ADF.org website? Ideally, it can be an acronym that is ADF. Yes. <laughs> that way we don't have to change our that web way, presence. That way we don't have to change our web presence. <laughs> but I'm open to all options. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org. If you'd like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski, and the music is written and recorded by Mike Beershank. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.